True North, Episode 2. Hello and welcome to Some Assembly Required, our podcast over here at Waynefleet BIC Church, where we discuss life through the lens of our Anabaptist roots. You have found the youth edition of our podcast, and we're glad that you've joined us today. My name is Julie Adams. I'm your host, and I am joined by the one and only youth pastor, Pastor Wes Hillis. Welcome, Pastor Wes. Hello. Good to be together again today, and um, yeah, going over the next uh, episode of our podcast. Yeah, kind of going over um, our True North series and in week two now, and yeah, it's good to be just uh, being able to continue this and being able to keep going for it. Yeah, yeah, great series. But yeah, no, we're excited to kind of keep going and to keep talking about, you know, what is our true north? How do we, um, how do we keep God as our true north? And kind of today we're going to be talking about drift and how drift happens and all this. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to start with how we finished off last week. And that's to remember Psalm 25, 4, which is show me your ways, Lord. Mm. Teach me your paths. And it's just this wonderful, wonderful part of the psalm that's just wanting this it shows our wanting for God to be able to lead us and to be able to mm-hmm. kind of teach us the paths that are best for us. Yeah. Um, so last week we talked about, um, like we talked about clarity and um, the importance of being able to let go of that control, that, yeah. that feeling of needing control over certain things in our lives, especially in our direction um, and kind of letting God be our true North in our lives and allowing him to guide us in our, decision making yeah we talked about our relationships we talked about um high school for senior highs junior highs yeah um and kind of what that is and influencers and kind of like who yeah. do you let influence yourself and yeah i thought it was a really good um starting block and excited mm-hmm. to just keep going on this um so right now um what we're going to be talking about what we already mentioned was drift um and what are things that like, kind of get us off track so i want to begin yeah. now if you were to google you know what happens when you get off track, you'll find so many articles um, of missing the mark, uh, sliding away from your original goal. Yep. Um, and according to statistics, 40%, for, this is around New Year's, yep. 45% of the United States made New Year's resolutions and a lot of them got off track. Oh yeah, some well, people. New Year's resolutions, I feel like, are always a thing. Just like, it don't matter. You get off track no matter what. I used to work at the YMCA um, here. I know, oh. right? And um, I'm mostly lifeguarded, but I did a little bit of front desk too. Um, and January, it was always like packed, mm-hmm. super packed. Mm-hmm. Even like the first week of February started to like taper off. And then, it and then dies by down. like mid-March, it was like back to normal. Yep. Yep. Because everyone's like, oh, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm actually going to yeah. work out. And then like. I would say like maybe like five percent of all like the people who say they're gonna do that actually keep doing it. Yeah. Because like, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. I remember working at the YMCA. I worked in the kids program in section. So you'd get these like random like brand new kids to the program, beginning of January, yeah. kind of went until you said, and yeah. then they were just gone, and you yeah. never saw them until next, next January. January. Yeah. And it was just like you kind of you you could tell which parents and which families were here for their New Year's resolution. Yeah. Work out for a few weeks and yep. go. But yeah, it's so many times we get off track with these things. Yeah. And um, speaking about, you know, YMCA and stuff like that, we also want to look, you know, kind of like athletic side. Um, so when you think about track and field, so think about yeah. track and field, staying on the track while running is kind of important. And yet our opponents would never mind if we were to run off track. 
No. Pullman space. Oh, thank goodness. Yeah. You go into a corner. You, you go into a corner and you just keep going straight. Is that well, all right? Yep. Um, do you remember the movie Cool Runnings? Love that movie. Great movie. Hey, man, the Jamaican if, <laughs> Yes. If you have never seen Cool Running, go watch Cool Runnings. It's just it's a fantastic movie of a Jamaican bobsled team. Based on a true story. Based on a true mm-hmm. story. And it's a team that had never seen ice before, made the Olympics in a sport that's only on ice, only to get it off track. Yeah. And it's just, it's awesome and it's wonderful. And if you want to go see it, it's it actually is a very good example of this. Yeah. This idea of getting off track and that kind of stuff. And so, yeah. Um I want to share a bit of a story before we dive into scripture and everything. And I, I, I think everyone's experienced, but undertow. Yes. Like when you go swimming or anything, yeah. undertow is brutal. It can you be said, very dangerous. Yeah. yeah. You said you were a lifeguard? Yes. Yeah. So I can tell you that uh, undertow, and it's tricky because you don't see an undertow or a riptide. Um, you can recognize signs of it in the distance, like... Um, based on the wave pattern but often you can't see it and the next thing you know you're swept out to sea or you're pulled under or you are like way not where you thought you want to be have Mm -hmm. you ever gone to the beach and I know here um like if we go to Lake Erie often my kids will go out or I'll go out and you know you're watching and all of a sudden you turn around you're like oh where's my stuff where's my umbrella and it's like way over to the left and you're like well how did I even get here yeah and that's that's drift. Uh, it's, That's it's the, the current whole thing. It's that grabs drift. you. Yeah. yeah. I remember being in uh, Mexico, my family, and we were on vacation. This is in Los Cabos. So it's a very interesting spot because you have, it's like the, like Mexico is like a high heel. Yep. Geographically, it's like a high heel. And so Los Cabos is the point of the heel part. Okay. So there's a huge body of water that comes up. Um, and when it comes out, it meets the Pacific Ocean. Right. So that undertow there. Yeah. It is insane. Like, you've got two currents converging. My mom was like, they kind of told us like, if you're going to go in the water, you, you're putting your life at risk. Mm. So not a lot of people ever went in the water. You kind of stayed in the pool and that kind of stuff. And But my mom was walking on the beach with some people and like this, the tide came up. Yep. And like their feet got like probably to their ankles just because the tide came up. And it made them like fall. Yeah. Because the undertow was so strong. It yep. was so... It's very powerful. Oh, it's in, it's crazy how powerful it is. Mm-hmm. But kind of like what you're saying of your story, like not realizing that it's taking you and it's drifting you over. Until all of a sudden. All of a sudden you look back and you're like, whoa, what happened? Well, in scripture, it's not exactly the same, but we're going to look at a story that mm-hmm. where drift happens. Um, and this is a story in, uh, in Israel's history. And it's, it is quite alarming when you read it. It's very yeah. like, wow, that's intense. And... So to give a bit of backstory before we dive into scripture, um, Moses had died, mm-hmm. um, and Joshua was leading the Israelites to the Promised Land. They crossed over Jordan. They were about to defeat Jericho, and God made it clear that they were not to take any of the plunder for themselves. Mm-hmm. Everyone obeyed, except one man, and no doubt he thought it wasn't a big deal. No, maybe he even felt entitled to it. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. And for the next city, they were going to overtake. They uh, sent the army in confidently because they just, you know, they just over, they just took over Jericho, no yeah. problems at all. Um, but they were they were overrun. They just could not handle it. Um, and it was revealed that someone had sinned, and they found out it was Akin, and that's where we pick up the story. Okay. So this is Joshua seven verse nineteen to twenty one. It says, "Then Joshua, um, Joshua said to Akin, my son." Give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. 
Tell me what you have done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, It is true I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing, weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. And this is where the alarming part is. Achan and his entire family ended up dying that day for his disobedience. How did they die? Were they killed or did they pass away? I Doesn't n- say? Not okay. completely sure, sure of all things that happened. Um, but it was a small thing that turned into a very serious thing. Yeah. Now, in Akin's heart, he's probably saying this wasn't a big deal. Yeah. But when you really think of the whole scheme of everything that has happened, he disobeyed God, and what happened for disobeying God was the army was not able to take the city. The next one, yeah. Well, you have to think. Hundreds, thousands of people possibly could have died in this battle from this yeah. mistake. This mistake, even though we look at it as possibly a small one on the personal side, on like more of a humanity side, it's brutal. Yeah. It's a brutal mistake. And that's why this is kind of a huge story. Like you don't all almost sense it always. Well, and I think you have to be able to trust the people that you're working with, right? Exactly. So now that like even violated There's no trust. like his, you know, army mm-hmm. mates trust or his yep. uh, co workers, whatever you want to call them. Yep. Hmm. And that's a very intense account of someone not realizing the drift in their heart disobeying God's ways and having to deal with the consequences. Now, we don't live in an age um, where our disobedience is met with immediate death. It's a very Thankfully, good thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, but if we did, if we did live in this age, there wouldn't be many people in church. There wouldn't no. be many people in the room at all. Um, however, in our relationship with God, it's possible to experience this drift that causes a death of its own. Mm-hmm. It's not a physical death, and you may not realize right away, but where you think you are going is not where you'll end up, all because you drifted off track. So, see, God has these wonderful, and this is the thing to remember, God has these wonderful and amazing plans for people, mm-hmm. and they are just, the things God can do in someone's life are just incredible, incredible things. And, you know, you, you may not sense it. You may be like, maybe I'm not on the right track. Maybe I don't know where I am. But he has these wonderful and amazing plans for your life. And... So, so kind of coming out of that, so what do we do? How do we adjust our course? Well, we have to diagnose what the drift is. Mm-hmm. So there's two key areas um, in which drift happens. And first is our thoughts. Yep. When we allow um, our minds to believe whatever we see, whatever we hear, whatever... Um, whatever is in front of us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And this is so prevalent, especially in social media or mm-hmm. anything. Like you turn the news on, you turn anything on. Yep. You're trying. You're being influenced. Yes. And it's it's hard to say. Well, don't be influenced by worldly things. Ugh. Well, when it's every single place you look, it's very difficult. Yeah. And that's why nothing we say on this podcast or anything is easy. No. Faith is not easy. <laughs> no, it's not. I will not. say that faith <laughs> is not easy. I find constantly people are like, oh, so it's easier once you become a Christian. I'm like, absolutely not. Well. <laughs> absolutely not. It's not even close. And I. I think this, this verse in Romans, this Romans 12 too, is one of my favorite verses. And it says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his mm-hmm. good, pleasing, and perfect will. What I believe that is saying is when we feel challenged, when we feel like you know we're being influenced from this is happening, to stop, mm-hmm. to breathe, and kind of say, what, you know, 
that old phrase, you know, WWJD. Well, oh, well, yeah. Well, oh, you come on. What would Jesus do? Yeah. You and said just, it like you were uncertain about it. That hurts I, cause, me. No, because I like, you know, letters and get mixed okay. up. Okay. All right. I was going to say like, man, I had like WWJD bracelets all over right. the place when I was but, a kid. But to actually go back into scripture and yeah. say, okay, where, where does God kind of say this? Where, where is this kind of being? And Romans 12, 2, I think is a great example of this. But there's also 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, which says, We demolish arguments and every uh, pretension that set itself up against knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Yeah, I like that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's this, this way of um, just, you know, those thoughts that we know are not, that we know are worldly, that we know are not obedient of God's not will for us. They're not truth. Mm-hmm. We stopped and said, no, that, no, 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 I'm not going to let that, I'm not going to let that hold me down, but rather I'm going to take captive of it. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like what you're saying is that as soon as you notice, you're a little bit off track Yeah. to like pause and course correct because yeah. like sometimes once you end up slightly off track, it's, it's like you're on a trajectory easy. that is yeah. like, then you're like way out there. It's so easy to be able to do that. I think, always, I think I'm driving. Yeah. You know when you're like you're on the highway, middle of Toronto. So there's like there's highways everywhere and every yep. which direction. And you take the wrong exit. Oh. Well, then it feels like you're going then on a different highway. Then you got to take yep. a different highway to get back, and then another highway to get back, and then another yep. highway to get back. Been there. It's so difficult to kind of get back on track. And when that happens in our lives, I find one track off track leads to another to another. But if we pause pull over get the google maps out and yeah. say okay what is the best option here yeah um obviously the google maps and in our spiritual life is um scripture <laughs> um but it's kind of saying where's where is god in this where yeah. where where in scripture can i find this and it's different for every situation that there is and you know we always tell ourselves um what we, what we tell ourselves really matters and what we dwell upon matters, what we choose to think about, and things that won't allow for drift to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, that is a too. beautiful verse of, mm-hmm. well, it's truth about our relationship with God. Yeah, It is true it is noble it is right it is pure it is lovely it is admirable it is all mm-hmm. these things wrapped up in one and i believe that not only does that happen in our relationship with god but it can happen in the relationships we have with others as well so the second key area yep we're drift, that was on the first those are thoughts <laughs> the second key area is our actions so where are your actions not lining up with what you say mm. and how you behave yeah i mean how you be- and what you believe yeah um so what about the things you say? So like when you, when we say as a pastor, one of the biggest things I know is that most people never need you to actually preach a sermon. Most people need you to live a sermon. Ah, they need you to ooh. live out yeah. what you are saying. Because if you're a pastor and you are preaching certain things and going and living in a very different direction, yes. no one will take you seriously. No one's going to listen to you. But if you live out your live out your sermon, 
that will make more of an impact on people's lives than any yep. 25 minutes on a Sunday morning can. Yeah. And I think that's just something important to remember, not just as a pastor, but I think for everyone is that when we live out these sermons, and I think one of the greatest sermons knowledge to know is what Jesus says, um, to show love and to show grace and to show mm-hmm. compassion to all. We're meant to love our neighbors. Yeah. And I think if we're living that out the best that we can, I think that's doing a better that, witness. It's then. a better witness yeah. than going into someone's face and saying, you know, repent, reform, yeah. or do, repent do all this. Yeah, repent and be saved, yep. Yeah. Um, and what about the things that we say? And I think that comes about what we just said. You know, wh- how do we say, how do we live out this idea of a sermon? How do we live out this life that Jesus is calling us to do? And that is to show love and compassion and grace. And honestly, when it comes to the things we say, it's sometimes biting our tongue. Mm, yep. It, it just is. I don't think there's more to say on that. It's just sometimes you need to bite your tongue yeah. and just say, okay, I, I may completely 100% disagree with this person's decisions and what they do, but that does not mean I cannot love them and show compassion for them. Yeah. It does not mean that I do not support, support them as a person and try and help guide them in the relationship with Jesus. Just because you disagree with someone's decisions does not mean you cannot love them. Mm-hmm. I think it's something important to remember, especially in our days today, like, especially with students, like I work with students who are going through a lot of mental health and um, like they grow up in a culture today where you're kind of told to kind of question everything that you are. And so they're struggling that. And how do we best help that? Um, And then finally, it's where is there drift in your life? Is it in relationships? Is it with parents? Mm -hmm. Is it in school? Is it language? Is it, you know, where like where is all this coming from is it in our relationships are they not great relationships which show or are they ones that keep us down that then lift us up um with our parents one of the things i think everyone can relate to this no no teenager wants to talk to their parents about things (laughs) completely fair no teenager wants to talk to their parents about things but i think it is important to remember and i hope this is the case for most people i pray that it is that your parents want to support you the best that they can. Yeah, for sure. The parents love us that they can see where we're struggling and know that we need to be able to talk and then want to support us through that and not be harsh on us or not, you know, manipulate us in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Or, you know, be bossy or boss you around, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Exactly. So I hope that, you know, all these things we have are able to talk to their parents in that way that, you know, they can be open, they can be honest, like, to have to say like, you know i am struggling with this. this is what i'm hearing at school and i'm not yeah. really sure about it and yeah and school is a whole different sense school school is a different ball game every yeah, single year like sure. it's it's it changes every single well not just year it changes every like three months every day yeah yeah and students going through like i i know for a fact i'm very lucky i'm not in school in today's yep. age because i don't know what i would do because honestly students go through so much now in school yep you have two kids in the school. I do, yep. And, uh, yeah, I can say that some things that they have come home with that they've learned either um, curriculum-wise or um, from peers that yeah. just makes me say, whoa, we need to... Like, talk about this. like Talk <laughs> this through and, you know, maybe shed some light and some truth on it. Yeah. Of, you know, just... Well, at the end of the day, it's... You're learning someone else's opinion. Yeah. 
and <laughs> then you have to take that home either as facts or work it through to figure out and where it lines up with your own morals and, I, and values. I try when my kids come home with something that doesn't sound right is to say, well, that's what you learned in, we'll say health class, for example. And then I'll say, well, here's, you know, this is what it says in the Bible. So, you know, yeah, this is, this is what I believe to be truth, but at the end of the day, students and it's kids all their personal need choice to, to figure need that to out. Figure out um, yeah, they need to sort through some of that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just I think I want I want to pull us back and to kind of remember the story of Athen. Um, when we talked about Joseph, where he you know took the plunger and um, that a little sin to him wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. But we can begin to convince ourselves that a little drift doesn't matter. Yeah. That if you're a little off track, oh, it's okay. No, everyone is. But really, it's that kind of language, that kind of thinking mm-hmm. pulls us way off track. Yeah. It stops us in our track and it kind of just says, well, I'm just going to sit here in this. And it's not healthy, nor is it better for our spiritual life. Is there such thing as a little sin? I don't know. I or think are all that, sins ranked the same? Oh, that's a whole different story. <laughs> oh, that's so... A podcast for another that's day? That's a podcast okay. and a half. That might be another, like, 50-minute one <laughs> that we did before. Um, but just... I just want to kind of reemphasize that, is that when we think things aren't as big a deal as they actually are, it can cause more damage in our lives than we think. Mm, yeah. If we downplay what... Yeah. If we downplay the well, drift. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Like, we... I feel like in our Western world, we honestly don't think of our spiritual life as lot, a lot, that we have a spiritual life. It's not something we think about. Think about we think about you know the physicalness, the science, yeah. the the um, the physical realm more than we do the spiritual yeah. realm on this. And but each of us have spiritual life, and I think it's important to remember that. Just important to remember that in general, to remember that. Um, these little tiny things that start to add up and add up and add up do make a difference, do cause harm on our spiritual life. Yeah. Just in the same sense that a physical damage would cause no physical harm. Yeah. Spiritual harm is the same thing. We just don't see it. Yeah. Um, I just want to go through this uh, progression. So this is Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. I find this to be such an interesting, like, this is Psalm 1. Like, I love the book of Psalms. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite, yeah. uh, like, books in the Bible. And it just, it, there's so much in it. So if you've never read it, go read it. Mm-hmm. The whole thing? Whole thing. <laughs> whole thing. Have to. Um, but this progression is so amazing that, you know, when I really think about it, do not, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked. So what that's saying is to not walk, um, with other people who you know are choosing to do bad things, do not walk in the same way as them. Do not fo- do not follow them. Do not do the same thing as them, mm-hmm. or stand in the way that sinners take. What's the difference between someone that's wicked and a sinner? So I would say a wicked and a sinner is, and I may be wrong. I'm still learning. I'm still figuring things out. If he is wrong, please email him and correct <laughs> him on that. It, I would say someone who is wicked is someone who knows it is a sin and continues to choose to keep doing it or goes mm-hmm. very much against God and just says, no, I don't care about what God thinks or what God does or who he is. I'm just going to keep doing what I want to do and just going to keep doing it. 
I would say so maybe there's that. more intention to more it. More intention, more intenseness, more against God. Mm-hmm. Um, where a sinner, I would say, is someone who, that's all of us. We're all yeah. sinners, and we all sometimes don't always realize it. Yeah. And, you know, you're trying to not be a sinner, but it still happens. Um, and I think that's why someone kind of says, or stand in the way that sinners take. Because everyone walks a path and a journey, and I think that if we we live in a broken world, which we do, and yes. everyone is a sinner in that sense, and that if you're just standing in the way of someone's journey and just call them out, I would remind people of this of the Bible story of um, the speck and the plank. Mm, yeah, to remember that. Yes. Um, so that basically says that um, if you're going to take if you're going to tell someone else that they're, they're doing something wrong, you need to examine yourself exactly. first yeah. um, before you yeah. and help or I don't want to say criticize. Exactly. But, yeah. like you need to be able to examine oneself and yeah. to make sure that, you know, that you don't have a massive plank in your eye or massive thing happening in your life where you're trying to speak to someone and give them guidance when really they should be the ones almost giving you guidance. Yeah. And lastly, there is or sit in the company of mockers. And I think, I think that one's kind of more of a simple one of saying how, you know, don't sit in the company of those who would go and judge mm-hmm. all others and then throw it all at God and you know say, well, God was to do something, uh, He would do it. And I think through this whole progression, through all of someone, what it is telling us, and what you said is to have some self-examination, mm-hmm. to reflect on oneself and say, you know, where am I walking? Where am I standing? Where am I sitting? And really think about that and to diagnose the drift that we talk about. And so now I want to I want to pause. I want to clarify. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The other thing that stands out to me in this one is um, that whether we like it or not, we're judged by the company we keep. Oh, we absolutely are. So if you are a Christian, but you're spending time with people who are maybe frequently partaking in behaviors that are unchristlike, you will automatically be lumped in with them. And uh, yeah, I think if you I think if you walk in step with the wicked, stand in the way of sinners and sit in the company of mockers, I think that that increases your likelihood of drift. I think so, yeah. And I think this all comes back to the point we made earlier. It's about some people don't need you to preach a sermon, some people need you to live a sermon. Yeah. We have to live out this message that we hear from God. We have to live out this idea that, you know, we are meant to show love and grace and compassion, not only to others, but to ourselves as well. Yeah. It's something to remember that, you know, we need to be able to love ourselves and to accept that, you know, we are broken. Yeah. And the fact that God still loves us and that God still wants this relationship with us and that we want to be able to love others. Mm-hmm. I think once we can remember that, once we can accept that, yeah, I think it makes a difference and it helps keep us on track to remember that God's love is there for us, that God walks in our daily lives with us. And um, just to remember that others are struggling as well. Yeah. And sometimes the best thing we can do is be an example. Mm-hmm. Not with words, but just with living. Yeah. So through this whole series that we're talking about, it's only week two of week four. We're going to keep diving in and kind of figuring out, you know, how do we keep God as our true north? And I hope that through this week we were able to talk about how we can keep God as our true north and how 
he can we need to live out this life that we have been talking about this life that we talk about at youth group this life that we talk about on sunday mornings and to yeah. keep living this out and to know that you know god's love is there for us and it's meant for us yeah and we just have to have grab to, it access have to it. keep going yeah. have to keep going awesome yeah thank you pastor west that was a great i really enjoyed this one um as well i think this is a an awesome series and um it's our hope and prayer that it uh, speaks to you as well and that you are enjoying them if you enjoy this episode feel free to share it with your friends um or share it on whatever social media you'd like that would be really that would be awesome we'd appreciate it and if you'd like to get in touch with pastor west to chat or to pray together or anything like that you can reach him at west at waynefleetbic.com and my email address is julie at waynefleetbic.com so thank you for tuning in today and we look forward to connecting with you again next week bye bye